The Thanksgiving long weekend is nigh, and it kicks off Friday night in Vancouver with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers taking on the BC Lions. Bob Irving joined us to tee up this huge game. Also, on the subject of Thanksgiving, we were joined by Chef Gordon from RRC Polytech to talk about how we can extend with the cost of food. Being so high, we want to make sure we get the most bang for our buck. So, how can we extend our meal for leftovers? David Phillips from Environment Canada joined us to tell us what we can expect for the next little while and to get into the concerns that many have over what was the hottest September since we started keeping records. And we heard lots of great stories about items we miss from childhood. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Friday, October 6th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, the Thanksgiving long weekend is nigh. Seems I was a little too eager for the long weekend. <laughs> I woke up today and thought, why is my alarm going off? It's Saturday. Oh no, and like it's several not. times, because that was my first alarm, and then several of the follow-up alarms. It took me over an hour to finally clue in, like, oh, no. It's not Saturday. I, like, I oh. got to get up. You should live in a sleep lab. Like, <laughs> seriously, they should, like, Diana McMillan should have all sorts of cameras and monitors in your apartment attached to your body. They, they should be studying you for science. You should be making like $10,000 a month just as a, as, as a subject of sleep study or lack thereof. That could be my brand. Everybody's always trying to develop their brand. Sleep guy. <laughs> or no sleep guy. Or sometimes sleep guy. I like the... I, Go ahead, Lauren. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say I'll be thankful to try to find a space to find some sleep this weekend as I look ahead to that extra day. I'm thankful for that. And honestly, I can't figure out this weekend forecast. Monday, it looked great. The last three days, it looked terrible. Now where I'm heading, it doesn't look so bad again. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Are you going to Florida? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to Florida. Hitting, hitting, hitting up some turkey in Orlando. Uh, no, hoping to get up to close out the cabin at Clear Lake. And it's not too shabby. It's cool. But 14 and 16 Saturday and Sunday for Clear Lake. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so that's not too bad. I mean, it's not it's not super hot, but the next couple of weeks look fairly consistent in the, the 10 to 15 degree range. So that's pretty good for October. But we are going to get more on the weather at 637. My gosh, Loren, we're speaking with David Phillips. Yes, well, we started off this week looking ahead to the long weekend, thinking it was going to be decent, and then things changed. And we've had three, What I think it's been about three days of rain, four really, if you count the start on election day. And so wanted to talk a bit about the rain, the long weekend forecast, of course, but oh, making headlines is the idea of this hot September and the fact that the last month has scientists, you know, around the world using language like this is God, gobsmackingly concerning and all sorts of things. And so we will get into a bit about that because the average surface air temperature reached just over 16 degrees in September. So that's almost a degree above average for the past 32 years. And so is that hot, too hot? Is it a sign of more to come? We'll get into that in about half hour. Yeah, we had that goofy, cool June, I guess it was, after having an incredible May. So really odd. Is it concerning at all with all this rain the last few days? I saw two gazelles walking in tandem down my street yesterday. (laughs) Like if I'd seen two sheep and two zebras, should I have been getting concerned? Arc, uh, arc situation. <laughs> arc situation, yeah. I'm just saying. Seems pretty wet out there. Like, I'm yeah. concerned about the whole, you know, uh, you speak to people out in Minnedosa trying to get the crops off, Loren? Well, for the, the people I know are, are in okay shape, but that doesn't mean that everyone is because it's kind of that end of season where most most is done, but not all. And, of course, corn usually has goes a lot later in this part of the province. So that takes some time. And I think there'll be some out there wondering if there'll be crops that don't get off, if they're still waiting to do so, because uh, in and around Thanksgiving is sort of a push to the finish, right? You mentioned gobsmacked, Loren, the gobsmacked scientists. Uh, the the band Godsmack yes. is one of the bands <laughs> that you could win tickets for. Come uh, be- on. 
Yeah, because we, 201 Port is, has been doing a food drive this week, a Thanksgiving food drive for Harvest Manitoba. And uh, CJOB and Power 97 are upping the ante today. We've got a, the, the promotions team is downstairs right now setting up, and we're asking you to, to drop off. Uh, they've got the top 10 food items Harvest are looking for, canned fruit, canned soup and stew, canned tuna, canned vegetables, Pasta, pasta sauce, rice, peanut butter, baby formula and baby food, mm-hmm. and instant oatmeal. And if you do so, you can enter to win tickets to see either the Doobie Brothers, Boney M, the Crash Test Dummies, Tool, Godsmack, or Kiss. So, so where do we drop those off if we want to? Just right outside the building, right oh, outside awesome. our building. And we've got that. Uh, you, and if anybody's like, oh, downtown, where am I going to park? You can you just pull to. right in. Yep. Yeah, Do a drive-through style. Yeah, it's sort of right underneath the uh, Jumbotron in the in the courtyard at 201 Portage. So you just kind of go uh, onto Notre Dame off of Portage Avenue and then take your first right there. You can't miss it. You'll uh, see lots of smiling faces and uh, folks uh, happy to take your tin for the men. Well, we know the need is so great. How often have we talked in the last year and a half or so about what harvest demands are like right now? You mentioned baby formula. I was in the doctor's office a few weeks ago and a mom sitting there with her baby was remarking on the, the choices being made, right? Because she nursed, but then the nursing stopped working in terms of breast milk. So she switched to formula, but the costs are so exorbitant and you can't find some of it somewhere and, and all those kinds of things. And she, as she was pointing out, she's someone in a working family and, and uh, they're lucky enough to be able to figure it out, but lots can't. So there's that part of the equation. And after seven, we're going to talk to Asylum about what they're doing for Thanksgiving. And sorry, I just need to go back to the God smack because I was at the Jets game last <laughs> night and they were giving away tickets to that as well. And it was up on the screen. Great time at the Jets game. They lost. was not great. But the, the atmosphere there is really building up to be something fun, I think, this year. And uh, I thought they just had a spelling error on the... Really? <laughs> well, isn't the band Gobsmack? The, the band is Godsmack. Other, the other... There isn't a Gobsmack band? There's a, there is a band called Gob. You might oh, be thinking boy. of them. God, I'm not cool. The whole time, I was just like, I think this is the wrong band. I think they're giving away the wrong <laughs> Well, Ren's crafting a tersely worded email to True North Sports and Entertainment. I think you spelt the band's name yeah, wrong. Oh, I, I, was just, I was certain of it. Did you certain. create a logo with a spelling error? Way to go. Hey, speaking of the Jets, Mackling, uh, you had a couple of quick thoughts on that. Yeah, Forche, if you want to play some music under this, uh, feel free. Otherwise, uh, shut out at home in your last preseason game. Come on, guys. I agree with you, Loren. There is some excitement in the building last night, but uh, slow to start. Too many penalties last night. Couldn't How score. How many were there? there I don't know. Been, Too many. We were driving home when I was with my oldest. We quantifying game, anything. Like, There's a hundred penalties last night. Yes. What it felt like. Yeah, and the Jets couldn't score on the power play when they had chances, including on a five-on-three. They left Connor Hellebuck out to dry far too often. And get this, I don't know how late you stayed, Loren, but they got outshot 14-2 to in the third period. Once again, I'll reiterate, at home, final preseason game. And the biggest news, finished defenseman, Vili Hainala. Vili looked to have finally made the big club following four seasons and up and down between the Jets and the Moose. Last night, he went down in a corner after being tangled up with an Ottawa player. Couldn't get up on his own. Here's a head coach, Rick Bonus. It's not good. It's going to be, uh, we'll have more information on it tomorrow. So there'll be another analysis. They'll look at it, but it's, it's not a short-term injury. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb in our next segment will tell you how you can win a VIP package for heebie-jeebies. But right now we want to discuss the fact that the past couple of days have left much of Manitoba in a soggy, soggy mess. Yeah, this wet and cool week follows what many would have said was an incredible September. But as we've been saying this morning, the EU Climate Service says the global average surface-to-air temperature in September for the planet, well, it was concerning. It reached 16.38 degrees last month, which is 0.93 degrees above the average September temperatures for the past 32 years. And of course, that follows what was called the hottest summer since records began. David Phillips is a senior climatologist with Environment Canada and joins us now. And and David, uh, good morning. Before we get to the long weekend, we just wanted to ask you about these September numbers because there was one scientist on Twitter yesterday calling it, quote, gobsmackingly bananas. And I don't know if that's, you know, just a lot of big words or if 0.93 degrees is concerning when you look back on September. 
Well, you know, Loren, it is. I mean, it is. Uh, it's not surprising, though. I mean, we saw um, really this year has been the warmest, and summer was. I mean, stick a thermometer in planet Earth, and it said, "Well done." I mean, it was just hot, and the record we saw the record. July was the warmest month ever of any month, and June was the wet, uh, the warmest June. And my gosh, August came in to be the the second warmest month ever. So it wasn't a surprise that with the hot. Um, waters in the oceans, really around the world, the oceans are like hot tubs. Um, we, uh, we, it was no surprise that September uh, came out to be uh, uh, warm, and 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 really, you know, there, there's uh, how different from normal it was was even more than any other month. In other words, the difference between this September and what you'd expect, say, over a 30-year period in September, was the greatest departure. And you know, Manitoba clearly added to what the world was seeing. You had in this uh, from May through to August, uh, you had the warm, the warmest summer on record. Now it maybe didn't seem that way, and in parts of uh, of you know August and maybe July. But given the fact that it was so warm for so much of the province, uh, it came out to be even even smashed the previous record, which was I think back in in um, I think it was in nineteen uh, uh, two thousand and, and ten. But but it was really and then then I looked at. September. Now we haven't worked September numbers in our in our um, uh, data. However, I looked at all of the major cities in Canada, and Manitoba, Winnipeg, came out to be the warmest um, in terms of the departure from normal. About almost between almost between five and six degrees warmer in September than you would find in your run-of-the-mill kind of uh, of September. So clearly, it's been very warm. And it's not stopped, and um, and we see a change of month. Well, we we got some rain. I mean, you had as much rain this week as you've had in the previous two months of of um, August and September. So it had been dry and warm for long, but but now we see a change of weather. And uh, but boy, everybody is still talking about how hot it was globally all the oceans, and then with El Nino, my gosh, I don't think that we've seen the final chapter here of this. what this year is going to be. And guys, I think we can declare it right now. Let, let's not wait for the drum roll. Let's just say that 2023 globally will be the warmest year on record, with records going back to, it depends, 1940, uh, 1850, and some have even said when you look at tree rings and geological evidence, you'd have to go back 120,000 years to find a warmer summer and a warmer year than what we've seen in 2023. David, uh, July, I mentioned earlier that June was kind of cool. I think it was July that uh, we only had 10 days above the median temperature in Manitoba. So July, after that incredible May and and tremendous June, July was sort of a, a roller coaster, a little bit cooler, although it was one of those incredible Manitoba summers. Are you prepared to declare Manitoba having the best, quote-unquote, best summer in Canada again? Because I think you (laughs) told us that either last year or the year before. You know, there's a lot to be said about that. Because, you see, uh, you know, and, and I think the summer is, you know, you get a lot of people saying, well, did you have a good summer weather-wise? Well, it was too hot. It was too humid, you say. And, um, or, you know, it was just perfect. It depends on your age, guys. I mean, I, sure. I like I like summers that are kind of room temperatures. <laughs> I don't like the muscle shirt and tank top kind of weather, do you see? For good reason. And um, so my sense is that, given the fact that, um, uh, I think there was a lot to be said about it. I'm not sure I would declare it the best in Canada. But um, certainly, there there was there didn't seem to be any issues. I mean, you had uh, you know the normal number of of uh, wind events or weather events in terms of tornadoes or hailstorms. I mean, the precipitation was hey, it was down a bit, but hey, uh, farmers could do a lot more with precipitation now than they used to. So I don't think they were they were suffering. And and particularly when you look at the last two summers, I mean, sometimes some of those were just too dry or too wet. So my my sense is this is the Goldilocks kind of summer for you guys. Now it's true it didn't it wasn't like you know uh, warm 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 it wasn't consistently but 
it started very early. We, we really had summer there in May and June. And when July and August came, where temperatures were kind of seasonable or a little, be, little below, people thought was summer was over. We didn't have any days in, in August with a temperature above 30. And then, um, and then September came, and my gosh, we got two or three of those, including the warmest temperature of the entire summer. I mean, on what? September the 2nd, I think it got up to, come on, 37 degrees in Winnipeg. Now, that was a hot day. That's too much for, uh, for, for even the young crowd. But, wait, wait, um, that's but, looking but, back at that long weekend, David. Yeah. I don't want to cut you off, but we just have about 30 seconds left. Okay. So I'm just curious about yeah. this long weekend because this can be yeah. a crapshoot in Manitoba. It can be wet, it can be oh. snowy, or it can be warm. What are we looking at? Well, I think it's really the place to be. Now, I think, you know, uh, I think so Saturday we, we have 30% chance of showers. I don't carry an umbrella for 30%. I mean, that's not going to happen. So sunny, and then we see Sunday, Monday. And then for farmers, you talk about the farmers wanting to dry out. Well, there's just nothing, nothing but drier weather after that. So sunny dry and seasonable. Hey, you can't get much better than that, Lorraine, at this time of the year when you could be worried about killing frost and the first lasting snow cover. That doesn't seem to be in the cards at all. David Phillips, we thank you as always for your time. It's always great to get a little bit of time with you, uh, especially in these uh, early morning hours. Uh, you have a, yourself a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hope you get lots of time with, with family and the, and the turkeys uh, cooked exactly as you like it. Oh, guys, thank you so much. That was a nice greeting. Thank you. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye. David Phillips, Environment Canada Senior Climatologist, and Loren, I don't know about you, but uh, I could use some sunshine right about now. Yeah, I, I, it's so funny how you go through those days. You get spoiled, right? And you have all these wonderful, wonderful days, and we've had you know four days of gloomier skies, and then you think that's enough. And it's sort of unfair because it hasn't been so bad. I guess it just depends on where you're at and what your needs are for the dry and, of course, our producers and farmers and people who do all sorts of things in the fall. So we'll see what the long weekend brings. Reminded that at 201 Portage today, 201 Portage is where we are on the 30th floor, and the building is doing a food drive for Harvest Manitoba, collecting canned items like canned fruit and canned soup and pasta and peanut butter and baby formula. And if you pull into the loop in front of our building to make a donation, you can enter to win tickets for either the Doobie Brothers, Boney M, Crash Test Dummies, Tool, Godsmack, and Kiss. That goes until 6 p.m. today ahead of Thanksgiving for Harvest Manitoba. Right now, we want to tell you how to win tickets for heebie-jeebies a vip package for heebie-jeebies and we are going to ask you what's up like an item or a piece of furniture you miss from your childhood because my buddy mike mentioned he was building a desk for his son's birthday happy belated birthday to his boy and as soon as he said a desk i'm like oh man i miss i miss my desk my childhood desk i loved it eventually it just became a dumping ground for stuff but uh when i i i still like Spent so much time sitting at that desk, you know, reading, doing homework, whatever. And uh, I miss it. I, I just I eventually became too big for it. <laughs> so, uh, But I wouldn't mind still having it. So what's a piece of furniture or an item you missed from your childhood? 204-780-6868. I do still have my childhood dresser, actually, now that I think of that. And like in your apartment? Yeah. Really? Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a functional dresser. My buddy 10 years ago says, why do you... Still have the same dresser from when you were a kid. Get something new. I'm like, well, why would I get rid of this? It's perfectly fine. It works. It works. And I kind of like that. It's like old and beat up. It looks like, you know, more rustic. <laughs> it's patina. <laughs> patina. Patina. What's that? That's like uh, just beat up leather and wood. Oh. It's got a patina. I it's like got that. a life, a story, a history. I like that. 204-780-6868. Cameron, why don't we start with I you? I remember when I had to get when I finally got rid of my childhood dresser cuz I hung on to that thing for a very very long time. Yeah. And I was living in Calgary and it just became too much to move. I couldn't fit everything and it sucked having to get rid of that. There's like very few things that have I, in my life that I've like for some reason I don't know what it was with that dresser I just had just was like it's always been with me, so it was kind of difficult. But if I had to pick, if I had to pick a couple things, um, my comic books, and I won't like you think my superheroes and stuff like that. No, 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 no. I'm talking Archie. I'm talking Calvin and Hobbes, Far Side. My dad recently just got another Calvin and Hobbes, and he had all the entire collection. And you know, us being kids, we took our dad's stuff and then 
promptly destroyed it. Uh, if I'm blessed with children, I'll I'll, uh, I'll have to take measures. I'll have stuff under lock and key so as they don't destroy it when they're old enough not to. I'm sure uh, G Mac and, and Loren can really relate to this. Uh, but I I don't know. I I just I it just was something that I like. I I, I was always reading. I was always. Uh, and I, I'm seeing this Calvin and Hobbes comic. It was like, man, I wish I, I still had those. I wish I took better care of them. And it was something that I could, I could open up or just have like on a coffee table or something. Yeah. Yeah. The Calvin and Hobbes. I used to ask for Calvin and Hobbes books every year for Christmas. Oh, I love Calvin To the Calvin point where it just became a joke, like a running joke. And my parents finally, cause they, I had a couple of the books and they finally bought me the complete Calvin and Hobbes in hardcover. Uh-huh. Like the, the, the full set weighs like 30 pounds. They, these giant hardcover books with the full Calvin and Hobbes collection. So yeah. Spaceman Spiff and everything. Spaceman Spiff. Wild. <laughs> what about you, Mackling? Oh boy. Well, you were mentioning the furniture. My grandpa built my childhood furniture and my dresser was gigantic. And I was telling you the story about the first desk that my brother Kevin and I had, uh, we went to an actual sale. I guess it was Winnipeg School Division was having like an excess desk sale. So it had an actual school desk. It was green metal when it came home with the wood top. <laughs> but uh, my mom actually spent two weeks one summer painting our furniture. Surprise, surprise. Winnipeg Jets, red and blue. High gloss paint from Color Your World. Anybody remember oh, Color yeah. Your World? I think it was Ashburn and Portage and uh, stretched that paint as far as she could. We had beautiful, that furniture for years and years. And and uh, the Seinfeld episode is that Carl Farbner, Farbner, the architect, and he gives Kramer that chest of drawers and, and the Japanese tourists sleep in the drawers. That's how big my dresser was. It was gigantic. Like you could have small children living in, in this dresser. And I, I wish I still had that, that furniture. Cause it was, of course my grandpa made it, but it was, it was just, it was spectacular furniture. So cool. thanks for taking me down that path, Brett. It's <laughs> missing neat. my mom and my grandpa now. And then I get to need the rest of the morning off. <laughs> Loren, what about you? Okay, I get that the internet has completely replaced these and they, you know, there's no need for them anymore. But my mom scrimped and saved to get us a set of encyclopedias. Oh, yeah. And we had them on the shelves. And to, like my sister and I would play librarian. We made index cards with stamps that we took from my dad's female where you had to come check out the encyclopedia and then check it back in because we just thought it was so cool. And there was something about grabbing that book, like when you didn't know the answer. And you would go and sit down and look at it, and they were magical. Like, I just really thought they were super, super cool. And I get that you can Google things now, but I just don't know if it replaces that flipping through. And they had these, like, glossy pages. And when you went to the map section, there was, like, layers of, I don't know, film paper over oh, top yes. of the maps yeah. where you could flip through. It. Just They were really cool. So I I, I love those. I love them. Are there any more ridiculous a, a thing that a teacher said to you? I don't know how to sell, spell such and such words. Well, look it up in the dictionary. But I can't spell it. Uh, I don't know how to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Forte, what about you? I think it'd be my first TV because uh, it was the first big purchase I ever made, and it was a tiny little TV. It was one of those ones that had the VHS player that was built into it underneath the actual TV. Ooh, fancy. I know, and we actually still have all of our Disney VHSs yes. at my parents' place. Like We have like the, the gold edition, the platinum edition. Like We have all of the the old VHS Disney movies, and we have v, still have VHSs uh, at my parents' place, and uh, I think it'd be cool. Like you to... can play them. Yeah, I still have my VCR too. Really, it's I'm not... coming to Forte's mom's place. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that, that, a lot of those tapes are probably back in the vault. I know. I wonder if they're they're probably worth nothing. But you look on the internet, and sometimes like you'll see that one VHS sells for like 500 bucks. But I'm pretty sure they're all pretty. So that that fuzzy. VHS, yes, you know, like the line at the time through. you thought it was fantastic. Unbelievable. You can't beat this. And then a DVD came out. I remember my dad going, "I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> what were?" But it's still great. The the other day, Jaws was the first DVD that we got. The other day, Brett was complaining about having to watch something in standard definition. Oh. It was brutal. I was walking back to the car with my son last night and said to tell him a story about how I got robbed from my Walkman. And he's like, what's a Walkman? That's where we're at in life, trying to explain VHS tapes and Walkmans. Maybe the Walkman is the thing you miss from your childhood. 204-780-6868. What's the item you miss for a chance to win heebie-jeebies? 
VIP package. We'll pick a winner at 915. And later on this morning, Bob Irving joins us at 9.35 to talk about tonight's big bomber game. Bombers and Lions. Greg's got to wait till 9 p.m. It's okay. I might be able to have a nap. but uh, Yeah, 9. Kickoff is just Uh, after 9 o'clock. Pre-game coverage. I had the math wrong. Oh, oh, why? Were you, were you thinking they were playing in Halifax and we no, might get that game at 4 o'clock reason, today? Or I what? for some reason thought it was 8. I don't know why in my head. I was like, I can do 8. You have relatives in BC. That should be an easy one for you, no, Loren. See, no, see, math right now, when you're when you're closing out like a 12-day in a row, you're lucky words are coming out of my mouth. Fair, right fair, now. fair. <laughs> 6.30, uh, extra early pregame show tonight, 6.30. Uh, Derek Taylor, Doug Brown, the crew, the gang, and then uh, just after 9 o'clock, Bombers lines. I saw one of the writers in Vancouver called it the gravy bowl, Brett. Nice. The gravy bowl. I like the sound of that. So more football to discuss a bit later on this morning. And hey, speaking of gravy, as we all continue to talk and grapple with the rising costs of food, a group of volunteers and staff at Silo Mission will gather today to try to bring some dignity to Winnipeggers experiencing poverty and homelessness. It's a lunchtime Thanksgiving meal, and it gets underway in just a few hours' time. Luke Tyson of Silo Mission joins us now. Luke, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. So this is, uh, you know, there are lots of special days at Silo Mission. Uh, this has to be at the at the top of the list. Absolutely, yeah. Some of our, our big meal days are Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter. But of those, uh, Thanksgiving is, is usually the busiest. We know demand for help over the past year, but perhaps even longer. It seems like every time we've talked to someone from Silo, it just continues to rise. Is there any sign that's stabilizing, or are you still just seeing new record numbers coming in? Yeah, there's been some stabilizing. Um, you know, the, I would say the rate at which the demand has been increasing has started to slow, but we're still seeing uh, really high numbers for a lot of meals. And we're expecting to do, I think, uh, 750 uh, plates of food today. And in terms of those meals and those plates you'll be serving, the, most of the meals at Siloam are served cafeteria style with people lining up for their dishes. Today is different, right? Tell us what's going on. Yeah, so for these holiday meals, for Thanksgiving, we'll, uh, you know, put out some decorations, tablecloths on the table and and serve people where they're seated, kind of more restaurant style. And, um, you know, we try to create a nice uh, family atmosphere, play some music, um, you know, just create an environment that's warm and welcoming and uh, and a little more, um, you know, comfortable for folks coming in. Um, We see some people even bring in their kids. It's kind of the one time a year we see that. Um, so, yeah, it just feels completely different than a normal meal here. How's this all possible, Luke? It, you know, we've, we've done our Knickers and Kickers initiative. We do the Radiothon with you on an annual basis. Talk about how this meal comes together and who makes it all possible. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to do this without donors and volunteers. It, it just comes down to that. Uh, the number of people who donate to uh, to help make the meal possible, you know, a few dollars at a time, um, as well as the... Uh, the donors who, who donate food, you know, some of the grocery stores and, and uh, food producers, um, but also the volunteers will have several dozen volunteers in today um, to help with the meal. You know, on a normal day, we'd have 18 people in the kitchen, but we'll have at least a dozen more out on the floor serving plates, serving uh, um, drinks and, and that kind of stuff. I don't know if you'll know this off the hop, but just knowing the way food prep goes at Siloam, how many turkeys does it take to feed 700 plus people? Or is that what's on the menu today? I know some years it's been something different. Yeah, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, we, we couldn't do without turkey. Um, we don't do whole turkeys anymore. We do turkey breasts. But even that, um, you know, we've got hundreds of turkey breasts here. And uh, and uh, the pot of gravy, uh, you wouldn't believe it. It's uh, <laughs> You wouldn't be able to wrap your arms around it. <laughs> Is there any, like I know the meal's coming up and preparations are probably already underway, but if anybody wants to make a last-second donation, are you accepting for that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Asylum.ca, you can always donate there to the Thanksgiving campaign. It's not over yet, and of course, um, we're we're serving our big meal at lunch, but we continue to serve food throughout the weekend. All right, Luke Thiessen, Asylum Mission, joining us live. Thank you very much, Luke, and happy Thanksgiving to you. Yeah, thanks so much. Happy Thanksgiving. And that website, once again, siloam.ca. Uh, and just this notion, the, the idea of getting to sit at a table with a tablecloth, 
That's one of those things. These conversations are so important because these are the things you might take for granted.、Mm-hmm. And not because you're a bad person, it's just part of your normal everyday life. But then to think about those who don't get to do that on a regular basis, this is a big deal. So good for Siloam Loren. And you consider, you know, all the conversations in and around a time like this. You know, so many people, well, how, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? What's your plans? What are you going to eat? You know, you have all those things. And then you don't pause to consider A, someone who might not have food on their table. Or if you think about it, you don't consider the fact that they might be rushing in and out of a place like Salem to grab that sandwich. And today they might get to sit down and, and really enjoy themselves. And, and we've all been on the floor there before. There's a real community. Right? Like, there's people、sure. that want to sit together and, and visit and, and be dry. Think how wet it is out there. So, have a couple hours of warmth, a couple hours to maybe be dry, and then to have that hot meal, that's a huge difference. Well, think about I don't know if you've ever uttered this, but in the past I have. Oh, I have like three Thanksgiving dinners I have to go to、mm. this weekend. I have to go Break bread with all these different people. And it's, it's, sometimes it feels onerous, like it's a chore. I give my head a shake. And then I was texting with somebody the other day about their plans for Thanksgiving dinner. And I just said, ah, we're not hosting, fortunately.、Uh, we're going somewhere else. How lucky we are. So,、uh, perspective, always a powerful tool, Mr. McGarry. Siloam.ca. Mackling McGarry McNabb, want to say thanks to listener Malou, who dropped off a bunch of stuff、uh, just a few moments ago at 201 Portage for the Tins to Win food drive for Harvest Manitoba, where if you bring in some stuff, you can enter to win tickets for bands like the Doobie Brothers, who Malou entered to see. You can also try to get tickets for Boney M or the Crash Test Dummies, Tool, Godsmack, or Kiss. We, in the meantime, have a VIP package for Heebie Jeebies. We're asking you about like an item you miss from your childhood. I mentioned it was mine was my desk, and Greg misses the dresser that his grandpa built, and Loren misses the encyclopedia collection. How about this? Listener says we had a coffee table that was a crib board. Yes. So we could always play cards. We had the pegs in a drawer you pulled from under the table. It was awesome. That is awesome. I Plus, like that. I love crib. I really do. But Are、I、you、like、any good、steak. at it? Oh, sure. <laughs> I don't know. It's a card game. You know what I mean? Some days, yes. Some days, no. Oh,、so. my mother in law beats my father in law at crib all the time. And I'm going to be in big trouble for announcing that on the radio. <laughs> But Lori is like the queen of crib.、Uh, people say it's a, it's a luck game. No, no. Th- there's strategy, there's、oh, skill involved. I mean, cards is all a little bit of luck, but you have to, it's still having to figure out where to do the math and where to do it right. My grandmother, right up until she passed away this past summer, was beating my dad in crib at 98 years old. Really? Yep. Oh, that's and amazing. That, and he wasn't, I, like, I know my dad. I'm like, you're not, you're not faking this. Like, you're trying and you're losing. <laughs> And it's embarrassing. You never want to lose to your parents or your siblings at anything. Another listener says, I miss carrying my ghetto blaster on my shoulder、yes. around the neighborhood. Sure. But the listener adds, I don't miss replacing the eight to 10 DC batteries to run、mm-hmm. it. <laughs> these, uh, these wireless、uh, Bluetooth speakers now are getting bigger by、oh, yeah. the year. I saw, where was I? At、uh, one of the stores, they got a pack. A backpack now、yeah. that sort of emulates what we called a ghetto blaster back in the day. And it's got, must have six speakers attached to this thing. The bonus, you don't need those huge batteries, double D, C, batteries. It's fabulous. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Excited to have our next conversation about Thanksgiving in a moment. And a reminder we've got our weekly Gab with Gabby, Gabrielle Marchand from Global News Morning at 9 05. And Bob Irving joins us at 9 35 to talk about tonight's big, huge game. But before that, at 7 35, if you missed it, when we did our couch potatoes bit, we tell you what's new at the movies. The Exorcist Believer is new at the movies, but on Prime Video on Tuesday, this October 10th, they are releasing. Mr. Dress Up, The Magic of Make Believe, a documentary. And、uh, Greg, one of our listeners, weighed in with some awesome feedback. I too grew up loving Mr. Dress Up. Around 1995, he came to the University of Manitoba for a talk, a meet and greet. Well, they never expected the numbers that would come. 
the entire university center was packed like sardines. The huge wall and hall and hallways, all the way down the stairs, it was quite oh. the experience. I will always remember how shocked he was that all these 20-plus-year-olds came by the thousands to see him and the tickle trunk. Oh, that's lovely. And it's like the nostalgia thing. It's like when we had Fred Penner in the studio a couple months ago and the lineups of our 20 to 30, 40-somethings, right, were waiting to... <laughs> Get a picture yeah. with them. Do you mind if I just, I mean, it wasn't like a lineup, but anyone who was working that morning was peeking their head in because it's, it's your youth that's sitting there in front of you. So thank you for that feedback. That's awesome. And I was at the U of M in 1995, so oh. I, I must have skipped class that day. You were at <laughs> I did spend a time, a little bit of time <laughs> over at Monty's. But in the meantime, what are the must-haves for your Thanksgiving meal this time of year? Turkey or ham? Potatoes? Pierogies or both? All of the above, as long as there's gravy, Brett. But the long weekend, of course, is upon us. And we know there's so much to be thankful for. But we also have acknowledged over this past year just how many people out there are struggling. And just after seven, we spoke to Siloam about the turkey lunch. They're going to serve up to two. 750 people today and just before eight we talked about the rising costs for all of these thanksgiving staples turkey cranberry sauce they're all way up compared to 2022 so we want to talk food the ways to do our thanksgiving meals but also maybe the way to stretch out this meal chef gordon layton bailey is a culinary arts instructor at red river college polytech good morning chef good morning how you doing today everybody I'm good. Thanks for always being our Thanksgiving go-to. It seems like we always uh, love to talk to you this time of year. And before we get into it, I'm curious, we talked about the must-have. Is there an item you always insist is on the table this time of year? For me, I always got to have, I think like yourself, I got to have some mashed potatoes for sure. They got to be there. What's uh, what's the recipe there, chef, with the mashed potatoes? Is there... Is there something magical you do with your mashed potatoes that maybe you, know you could share with us this morning? I'm so glad you asked that because, of course, there is. I'm always bringing big turkey energy in <laughs> this time right now. We're talking mashed potatoes. What I like to do, you peel your potatoes. I use, like, a nice uh, yellow flesh Congo potato. I peel my potatoes. I don't cut them into small pieces. Just cut them into quarters, boil them in salted water. And then the big trick is what happens is so many people sometimes they mash potatoes, overwork them, they get kind of glutinous. I love to use a food mill or a ricer. And okay, so I boil my potatoes till they're nice and tender in that salted water, drain them off, put them through the ricer, and I just fold in my fat, usually a little bit of cream, a little bit of butter, a little salt, a little pepper, and you got some amazing mashed potatoes. What's a ricer? A ricer is just one of those like tools that uh, it's got uh, a perforated bottom to it. Uh, it's kind of like a food mill you, uh, or it, you know what it is like a large garlic press. There we go. It looks like a large ricer. garlic press. Yeah. A ricer. You can usually pick them up real cheap at a bunch of different stores. They might cost you maybe 15, $20 and it's going to change your life. And then you have it in your kitchen pantry for uh, the future. But change my life. That's a bold statement. Yeah. Look oh. at this. <laughs> I'm always bringing boldness here. And, and it's, you know what? I'll stand behind that one. If, if you don't have a ricer, you're missing out. A beast canteen potato ricer, thirty six ninety nine from Amazon. Priority chef, but I worked in a lot <laughs> of kitchens and a lot of restaurants, chef. This is brand new technology to me. Thank you for this. Wow, you're welcome. It'll, it'll change your mashed potato life, guaranteed, uh-huh. or your money back. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, chef, what are your thoughts on the turnip? On the turnip? Yeah. Turnips. Well, I think I think we've gone through this one before. With the turnip, I say turn it up. Like let's <laughs> let's get them going. Uh, they always have that beautiful, beautiful earthy flavor to them. Uh, once again, with uh, the turnips, they can be boiled. That's kind of the traditional way. That's sometimes maybe not the best application for them. Um, what I like to do is boil them till they're just a little bit tender, remove them from the water, and then I finish them roasted in the oven. They get caramelized and crunchy. That nice sort of exterior crunch with the soft interior, it's a beautiful way to do turnips. I'm pretty sure we've had years where I basically shut off my microphone to not listen to this nonsense. Yeah, yeah, there is. Turnips, but I don't want to get into 
<laughs> this time around because I always still have them on the table. I get it. And, you know, when we look at the table this year, I was exchanging emails with you yesterday. Like it's costing a lot more, right, to put this meal together. And so what might be some tips? I, w- I want to ask you about leftovers, you know, what to do with the leftovers in a minute. But what would you add to the table to stretch it out? Or maybe if I'm doing the turkey or the ham, it costs more, but does it make more sense to get the bigger one? So then you do have those extra meals in the days ahead. Yeah, I mean, we're always dealing with uh, the ever rise of uh, the cost of goods, especially groceries and everything else in this world right now. So uh, for cost savings, you know what? I mean, honestly, it's one of those times of year that if you're going to maybe do a little splurge, it's not a bad idea. Buying something, you know, in the larger format, if you're buying a turkey, isn't such a bad idea because quite honestly, you are going to be having leftovers. And then with those leftovers, you're feeding yourself for maybe another couple of days. And you can do some really interesting things with leftovers. You can make like turkey pot pie. You can make, uh, you know, turkey tacos. You can make turkey meatballs. You can make, oh, of course, turkey noodle soup. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about leftovers, to deal with them appropriately, the biggest thing is I know we have the big meal and then we let the food sit out for a little bit. But if you can get that leftover product wrapped up in the fridge as quickly as possible just to keep it food safe, that's going to be your best bet. That way you can always deal with it the next day and know that you're dealing with some nice, safe, tasty food still. And how? And on that subject of the food safety, with something like turkey, how long is too long for leftovers? Like if, we're, if it's four days later and you're still pulling leftover turkey out of the fridge? You know what, if you're like going into uh, the second, third day, you know what, as long as it's been refrigerated, covered, not been, uh, you know, pulled out a bunch of times from the fridge, you're going to be fine. Uh, you start getting into that four or five day zone, you might be stretching it a little bit far. Maybe you shouldn't have bought as big a turkey or as much food as you did that day. So let's just kind of keep it in that two, three day range. And that way you should be pretty safe. And then, and then you got to get rid of it? Well, <laughs> like, a, like what, what might freeze well? Like, does it, you know, because I think too often we just think this doesn't freeze or I, maybe I'd freeze it wrong. You know, like people always say mashed potatoes are good to freeze, but every time I've done it, I pull them out and I think, nope, that didn't work. Yeah, well, I mean, as far as a, you know, professionally trained chef, I usually like to buy just as much food as I'm really going to need for either that event or maybe even... Okay, okay, chef. Not all of us have par sheets in our kitchen, okay? (laughs) We're not as good as you. So we always end up with too much. So so how do we save it? Well, quite honestly, yeah, you can freeze a lot of different things. I mean, you know, your sauces, gravies, things like that freeze extremely well. I think the biggest thing is anytime you're freezing any product, no matter what time of year, you want to make sure it's wrapped tightly as possible because... As you put things in the freezer and it's exposed a little bit, say it's not wrapped as tight, you're going to get that uh, sort of frostbite. You're going to get that uh, drying out nature of what a freezer does to food if it's not wrapped properly. So, yeah, most things freeze decently well. It's just a matter of making sure that they're put away into the freezer properly. I know we ask you about this often, but uh, I, I just want to bring it up as a reminder for anybody who might be thinking about doing this, but the deep fried turkey, I've never had it. I understand it's excellent, but also super potentially dangerous, right? Yeah, well, you want to talk about house fires uh, in the, you know North America. Uh, they happen most probably around this time of year, and sometimes it's due to like the you know inability or inexperience of frying a turkey. Anything, anytime you're bringing out hot oil to uh, fry any kind of product, you got to be really safe. The biggest thing with turkeys is you got, you know, a product that's going to be going into submerged into 350 plus degree oil, and it's got a lot of moisture on it. And you got to understand there's going to be displacement from the weight of the turkey going into the oil. And then on top of that, there's going to be some excess moisture. That moisture is what causes that bubbling over and uh, spill over from the pot, maybe onto the open flame source. And that's when you get turkey ignition, which is not the kind of turkey ignition we're looking for. Um, so whenever you're frying turkey, yeah, you got to make sure you follow some, you know, proper safety steps. And can I ask you a question about whipping cream? Please do. I love whipping cream. Okay. So I, when uh, my mom would make whipping cream, it was delicious, but we, she would always lament that, uh, you know, that it, it wouldn't sort of maintain its consistency. Like, you know, you get a, a tub of Cool Whip, it's, you know, it always sort of ha- maintains that same texture, probably because it's made of plastic or whatever. I don't know. But uh, how do you keep whipping cream to sort of maintain that fluffy 
texture? Well, you know what the the biggest thing is honestly, don't over whip your whipped cream. So you know when you when you over whip cream, you basically start to uh, you know make butter. So it'll start to split on you, and the moisture will come out of it. So you want to make sure that you're just doing nice soft peaks, and and quite honestly, if you're doing it that way and you're using a nice actual 35% heavy cream, the nice soft peaks, if it starts to you know somewhat deflate a little bit, you can easily just whisk it up for another few seconds, and you're gonna get that volume right back in there. Awesome. Well, Chef, thank you so much for the tips. As always, we love talking to you, and we wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Chat soon. Chef right, Gordon. Sir. <laughs> the right, the potato rice. I had no idea that was a no. thing. Mike just texted on our 780-6868 that he's had one like forever going back to sort of grandparent times, and he can't believe we've never heard of it. I'm being rice or shamed right now, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. On the text hey. line. Never, ever heard. Like, this is fascinating. Like, mm. Terry says they're amazing. You know, like, Clearly. Okay, go to Canadian Terry. Go somewhere local. She's sending us links. We're all idiots. <laughs> hey, idiots. Terry, go buy, a, buy us a ricer. Drop it off. <laughs> 201 Portage. <laughs> we thank Chef Gordon Lighton Bailey, culinary artist arts instructor at Red River College Polytech. And our question of the day at cjob.com, if you're fortunate enough to have a Thanksgiving meal with loved ones this weekend, what's the one must-have for your table? Turkey as the main, pierogies, yes. turnips, just yes. to make fun of them, no. or anything but turkey? Yeah, no. Yeah. Tofurkey. Cast your vote at cjob.com. I guess, should we have like potato, mashed potatoes in there? Or? You know what? We should change this question because Paul just wrote, are you guys kidding me? Oh. Never heard of a potato ricer? <laughs> I think we should change the question. No, no, we got to shame Paul. It says a potato river. Oh, so, yeah. hey, Paul, you want to shame us? We're shaming you right back, brother. But Greg, right now, who has joined us in studio? She is the smiling face. She is the voice, the host, the anchor of Global News Morning Scene, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. on CKND <laughs> Television, Channel 9, Cable 12. Gabrielle Marshall. <laughs> I was basically making this, but in a face version to Brett, doing some really psycho weird stuff, like bobbing my head back and forth, looking like I came out of a haunted house. So, <laughs> Happy Friday. <laughs> Happy Friday to you, too. Gabrielle, we have an important question for you. Hit me. Have you ever heard of a potato ricer? No. What? Okay. What is a potato ricer? Like you turn rice into potato. Sorry, you turn nothing potatoes. to do with rice. This is why it's frustrating. It, I think it makes it into smaller pieces. It's like a, it, it's a pre-masher for the mashing. It is a change-your-life scenario, we were just told by our chef at 835. It's like, a, think of a garlic press. Yeah. But for but potatoes about in it. 30 times the size, and you oh. put potatoes in it. Oh. Oh, okay. And it okay. makes the potatoes all stringy, I guess. Like and then you, like and then you mash them mash after them that? Like you mix them together? That sounds amazing. Know. Since we're now talking potato instruments, I actually just borrowed, because I'm making scalloped potatoes for dinner tonight, or potato au gratin, because I'm going to, put, going to put a bunch of cheese in there. And uh, because you have to cut them very thin, there's this thing where you just stick it on your counter, you stick a potato in and you turn the wheel and mm -hmm. it shoots out like cactus cut really thin potatoes. Oh. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's nifty. Pretty neat, eh? Skinny little potatoes covered in cheese and butter and milk. <laughs> What's this thing called? I don't know. It's not mine. I just borrowed it because I was like, I don't want to slice these very thin. I never sharpen my knives. You but know, suddenly I'm missing a finger. Work on rutabaga. Could you use it in, <laughs> on a rutabaga? What is happening right now? now? A rutabaga, I think you need like an axe for. <laughs> Are you trying you're in the backyard, like you're out in the backyard, just like I'm gonna chop up some rutabaga. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm gonna put on my rubber boots and my lumberjacket, and I shall return. A true Thanksgiving lumberjack. I like that. So your potatoes au gratin. That uh, sounds like it's something that would smell delightful. One of the things we talked about this week was smells. Because what happened, Loren? For those who missed it earlier this week, smoked a skunk. Thought it was dead. It <gasps> wasn't. It's caught. Got. Partly caught in my car, I think. No. Car stunk for at least a day and a half. <gasps> and normally I like the smell of skunk, like when you're passing it. You know, when you pass on the highway, it sort of has that. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, but I like the smell. You like it? Oh, but I don't sweet. like it when I'm encased in it, like a tomb of skunk. How did you get it case. out? The skunk well, from your car. Well, thank goodness it rained election day. And so I was driving around doing some election stuff uh, for the polling stations, but then was hitting all these puddles. 
And then I rolled down the windows. Then I brought in one of these things from the house that's like the scented oil and like kind of poured some of it in the car. So then it had a nice like perfumey slash skunk smell <laughs> for like a half day. And then it just, it's, I think it's gone, but I also could just be. You've gone nose blind? Yes. Yeah, thank you, that's Brett. probably it. Oh, the skunk, hey. So smells, I was, nasty smells. You had a situation in your fridge. This week, yeah, it wasn't my fridge. I was helping cleaning out a fridge one evening this week and I was doing the old sniff test job where I just sniff things and see if we need to throw them out. And Greek yogurt. And here's the weird, this has happened to me before as well. Greek yogurt is really funky where it'll say the date is until October, mid-October or, you know, two weeks away. And it has a kind of a sour smell. And then when I eat it, all I can taste is that sour smell. And maybe Greek yogurt is just supposed to be a little bit more sour. Fair enough. But sometimes when you smell it, like this has happened to me twice in recent weeks where I smell the Greek yogurt. I'm like, this smells a bit off. It's a bit funky. I don't know. I don't know the percentage of smell that is actually taste like that contribute, but it's a huge percentage of the taste of the food is is derived from the aroma. Yeah. That's what makes the flavor. Yes. Brings the flavor. Then you're just trying to eat your healthy Greek yogurt breakfast and you're kind of taking a bite and thinking about that. And it's like, oh, good. The whole time. (laughs) I'm just saying. Like Maybe that was a cat. bit visceral, but yeah, like a, like a kitty cat. Movies you saw as a kid that you definitely should not have been watching. It's weird. My parents wouldn't let us watch The Simpsons, but my dad would expose us to Alfred Hitchcock movies so young. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we were like, how does that work? We watched, do you remember how haunting Psycho is? That actor, Norman yes. Bates? We yes. watched it. I think it was Christmas. Happy Christmas, everybody. Let's watch Psycho together. And I think I was like seven. Oh. <laughs> I think about it a lot. And the birds, yes. too. I can't look oh, at a crow in the eye. Oh, my word. The birds. That was something else. That oh, no. movie. There's something wrong with crows. Yeah. They're smart. That's what's wrong no. with them. Yeah. They're, and evil. Like, there's something. Yes. Like, they hold like, a grudge. They have done scientific research. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They they are able. They pass it down. They are able to hold a grudge. And it's frightening how intelligent they are. Yeah. Whenever you're I'm at my dad's. We'll see the crows across the street in the in various trees, and you can tell they're communicating. And you always just think, like, what are they planning right now? Oh yeah, they're, they're talking about you. Remember when they're <laughs> mobilizing? mobilizing. <laughs> you remember when that guy was here last time? You remember he took a slingshot out? Remember that guy? Nineteen seventy-seven. That's him. That's if him. The deers <laughs> ever, if the deers ever tell the crows about me, I'm going to be pecked to death. Oh, <laughs> they're going to call no. in the crows for reinforcements. Yeah, exactly. Go get her. I'll be like, you know what? That's fair. Have at her, crows. I'm done. And on, sorry, go ahead, Greg. I was just going to say 80 to 90% of what we perceive as taste is in fact due to our sense of smell. Oh, oh, there you go. Well, there anyway, you. sorry, I'll step out. Now. And real quick, you know what? My parents didn't do home videos, but one of the few home videos as a child I'm running around in this little dress, like three years old, going, the crows, the crows. Like, okay, Damien. <laughs> Just saying. I, was, I love this. I was really bad earlier this week from exposing my kids to like shows that maybe they shouldn't have. And here you are, like, living the, the crows or the birds at three years old. So I like it. Gabrielle Marchand is the host of Global News Morning, joining us live on 680 CJOB. You can see her weekdays, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Global Winnipeg. Gabby, enjoy your... Long weekend and happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy potato weekend, everybody. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We are asking you today about an item you miss from your childhood. And whether it's a piece of furniture or perhaps uh, it's a book or a series of books like Lorenz Encyclopedia Collection. And... uh, Kristen always sends us wonderful stories. One of our runners up here. And Loren, uh, do you see Kristen's story about uh, a rocking chair? I do. And Kristen starts off by saying it may be silly, but I'll say this isn't silly because Kristen goes on to say, I miss my granny's wooden wooden rocking chair. It wasn't the most comfortable seat in the world, but my memories of it are golden. We lived out in the country and their house was only a couple acres away. We had a farmer vision for our viewing pleasure, but grandpa had installed one of those giant satellite dishes in their yard. I would tootle over to their place and curl up on that chair. Grandpa had passed away, but Granny would try her best to tune that giant dish to catch me a snippet of Nickelodeon. Some days she got it going and we would watch cartoons together. Other days it wouldn't work and we'd play Rum and Cube and listen to Burl Ives records. I still miss her so much. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to reminisce. Oh, that's so sweet, Kristen. Thank you for sharing that story. That's uh, 
So it's one of these situations where it's like, okay, how do we pick one? But this next one, Greg, John is our winner because he he hit he hit several notes that, that uh, all tied back to to one item here, and uh, I've got a side story that's a spin off of it. I miss our red couch from the basement. It was the couch that I had to hide behind after catching my first glimpse of the rancor beast. <laughs> It was the couch I sat on when I thought someone was about to die when I first heard the term sudden death during a Winnipeg Jets playoff game. I didn't see much hockey before the age of seven. Lastly, it was the couch I sat on and progressively watched Captain Picard's head become like a cone head as our TV set started to fail along the top (laughs) of the screen. That red couch carried many memories to the dump. Uh, uh, to the dump after it had run out its life expectancy. You guys rock. Listen every day. Happy Thanksgiving from John. John, (laughs) you're a winner. You win the heebie-jeebies package. And part of the reason why I love that story is to know that I wasn't the only one who was scared of the Rancor monster in (laughs) Return of the Jedi because I was six years old. My dad took me to the Met to see Return of the Jedi, and when the Rancor first appeared, I freaked out, and we had to leave because I was a scaredy cat. And then I felt guilty all week, and then I asked my dad, Dad, can we please go again? I feel bad, and I'm too, I'm too, I got to be a big boy now. I'm 60 years old. Like, I don't know, I shouldn't be scared. And did you? Did you go? Yeah, we went back the next week. Oh, nice. And I was, I was scared and I was freaked out. I was, I I remember being anxious and I'm like, I got to get through this. I got to force myself to through this for my dad. Which one was the rancor? Is that like with the whole, like the the face was, um, like so much mouth? Like, yeah, that was the big one when, when Jabba the Hutt sends Luke Skywalker into the trap door underneath. That, that big, huge monster that comes out from behind the giant wall and grabs Luke. And then Luke puts the bone inside the Rancor's mouth to, so he can't close his jaw. Yeah, that scared the daylights out of me when I was hey, six. Your mom, you were telling stories earlier this week about how your mom always loved to scare you. So did she, what did she think about your willingness to go back and face this movie again? That I can't remember. She probably would have told me. She might have told me I was a crybaby. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but let's get on with the football because it is a late season clash of the Titans. A marquee matchup, which essentially will decide the best in the West, at least for the 2023 regular season. So this all gets underway at 9 Central Time. This has been written for me in all caps because I thought the game started at 8. The Winnipeg <laughs> Blue Bombers. That, did you, I caught it. It was very subtle, Greg. Thank you. Thank you. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers and BC Lions, of course, face one another in a rematch of their West final clash, which was last November at IG Field. Now, of course, the two teams have faced one another twice so far this season here in Winnipeg, splitting quite decisively those two games as each ate the other's breakfast earlier this summer. Week three, June 22nd, it was the Lions defense who were all over Zach Caleros in a 30-6 win. August 3rd, the Blue Bombers got their revenge 50-14 to as the Blue Bomber defense limited Lions backup quarterback Dane Evans to just 113 passing yards. Bob Irving, the legendary voice, legendary broadcaster on 680 CJOB, joins us now. Bob, good morning. Good morning, Greg. You know, I listen to you guys every morning, and even though I've been retired for almost two years, I feel like I'm still right there with you. Is there something wrong with me? Uh, no. If we make you feel, if we make you feel that way, that that's uh, that's our intent, Bob. So well, thanks I'm for saying so. I'm making the total separation. That's good. Well, come yeah, come okay. back in. We're welcoming you back no, into the no, studio. No, it's okay. Okay, fine. If by the phone, I'll have to do. Okay, so the Blue Bombers and the two-time CFL MOP Zach Calaris will be facing MOP candidate Vernon Adams 
quarterback, BC Lions, tonight indoors. This feels like the mid-80s all over again, Bob. Roy DeWalt versus Tom Clements. Late season clash to decide first place in the West. I think 1984, I want to say like October 27th, something like that. First place on the line. Of course, the Bombers lost that game. Had to go back to BC place for the West final. Ultimately won the Grey Cup. But it has that same sort of feeling all these years later. Am I, am I, am I making things up? No, I remember those days well, too, Greg, but this game tonight is certainly one of the biggest regular season games the Bombers have played in a long time, and it is against the BC Lions, who during that period in the 80s you talk about were one of the Bombers' primary foes, uh, and this game will determine so much. Both teams are 11-4. and four. They've split the season series, as you pointed out, so the winner of this game tonight then needs to win only one of their last two games to clinch first place and a buy into the West Final. So that's what's at stake. The loser is likely going to finish second in the West and then host the semifinal and then have to go on the road and win the West Final. So the path to the Grey Cup is so much easier for the team that likely wins tonight because they still do have two games after this one. So, uh, you know, something else could happen, I suppose. But I think we can all assume to a degree anyway that the winner of tonight's game will win one of their final two and then get first place in the West. So in that first game of the season, the Lions really got after Zach. Uh, Matthew Betts leads the league with 15 sacks so far, Bob. So how big of a role might he play tonight? What are you watching for with him? Well, he'll play a big role. He's had a tremendous year for the BC Lions. Loren, he's considered the leading candidate to be named the top Canadian in the West, if it isn't Brady Oliveira of the Blue Bombers. And there's another story, another subplot to this game tonight. Uh, that game where BC beat Winnipeg 50-14 to was, it was inexplicable in a way. It just sort of came out of the blue. The Bombers couldn't do anything right in that game. They couldn't block anybody. Uh, Zach Kolaris couldn't find an open receiver. Their defense got pushed around by the BC Lions. And I think we were all astounded when that game ended. Like, what happened? And then, of course, when BC came back in a few weeks later, the Bombers beat them in a big way. So, uh, yeah, they've got to protect Kolaris tonight. Uh, the BC Lions do have a good pass rush. They're one of the top sack teams in the league. And it's paramount that they keep people off Zach's back so he can do what he does. And I think Brady Oliveira's ability to run the football will help in that regard. There's all kinds of intriguing matchups in this game tonight. The BC Lions don't run the ball very well, but they have an electric passing attack that the Bombers are going to have to try and contain with their quarterback, Vernon Adams. So it's the kind of game that you know gets you salivating. You can't wait for it to start because you just don't know what's going to happen, but it has all the, all the makings of a, of a classic so, Bob, who are you looking for, looking to, for the Bombers to perhaps be a, a sneaky, important difference maker? Yeah, I don't. I can't think of anybody who'd be a sneaky, important difference maker. Uh, I look for Zach Kolaris to outdo Vernon Adams. I'll go right to the high-profile guys, Brett. And you know, I think Greg mentioned it earlier. The leading candidates to be named the most outstanding player in the West are Kolaris and Adams. And it could well be settled tonight uh, based on which quarterback has the best performance and the best production. So that's the kind of the matchup, the subplot that I'll be watching very closely. And it is, you know, Mike O'Shea would tell you, well, that's all well and good. But the bottom line, the most important thing here is winning the game. And of course it is. Uh, but uh, this quarterback matchup, again, is a real marquee pairing, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. Vernon Adams, as a, as a fan now, Vernon Adams, the quarterback of the BC Lions, scares me. He's been inconsistent during his career, but he's kind of, this year at the age of 31, he's put it all together. He still throws some interceptions and can get a little bit rattled, but, boy, he's had a great year, over 4,000 yards passing to lead the league. And he can run. He's rushed for over 300 yards, and that's the part that the Bombers are really going to have to focus on. Don't let him have those plays where he slips out of the pocket and runs for 20 yards because those will kill you. So, I don't know. The more I talk about it and think about it, I can't wait for it to start. The one guy, <laughs> I think, Brett, who who could be a difference maker for the Bombers, and it wouldn't be kind of a secret, is Janarian Grant, their kick returner, who's back in the lineup tonight after missing 11 games. He can be a difference maker. I know the Bombers are beyond excited to have him back in the lineup. When you compare these lineups, Bob, position to position, 
and position group to position group, like there's not a lot to choose. There's a reason why they have the exact same record. And with Janarian Grant coming back into the lineup now, you know, maybe without Grant, you look at Terry Williams, their outstanding kick returner for BC, and you go, wow, maybe BC has a little bit of an advantage there. But now that's sort of, they kind of balance one another out. Uh, I think Willie Jefferson is going to have to break that eight, nine game streak without a sack tonight. Uh, I think Jackson Jeffcoat and he are going to have to really be focused on, on at least trying to keep Vernon Adams somewhat contained because the Bombers have had a a little bit of trouble with quarterbacks with a a little bit of escapability. Well, sure. And, And that's the thing that Vernon Adams brings to the party. And he's got an outstanding receiving core. He's got guys with speed and height and all the rest of, and the Bombers have lost to Mario Houston, one of their top defensive backs. He's up with an injury. Jamal Parker will take his spot on the corner. But yeah, the, the stars like uh, Willie and Jackson Jeffcoat are going to have to have big games, no question. And you're right about the personnel, Greg. These teams are very evenly matched. I think w- uh, Bomber fans still like to think that uh, their team has better personnel than anybody in the league. And certainly the personnel, I think, in Winnipeg is as good as any. But the Lions are good. They were 12-6 and six last year. And they lost Nathan Rourke, but Vernon Adams has filled those shoes at quarterback. They're 11-4. and four. I mean, they're for real. They're a very for real team. They're going to have a big crowd at BC Place tonight by Lions standards. Anyway, maybe approaching 30,000. So, yeah, it's going to be very – if the Bombers can go in there and win this game, the people who have doubted them all season long, yes. and in particular of late, when they've been very inconsistent, if they can go in there and win this game – they will, I think, send a message to everybody that watches that, hey, folks, we're still here. Don't you dare discount us. Brady Oliveira, you mentioned him. He's had a couple of brilliant games, but uh, I think there's a chance for this maybe to be a coming out party for Brady, like to the next level, because that's the position that the Blue Bombers, I think, should be better than, than the Lions. Well, they have a big edge, the Bombers do in the running game, 137 yards a game, and most of that from Brady Oliveira. The Lions are eighth in the league at 84 yards per game. They love to throw the football. One other sort of sidelight here to the Canadian aspect of this is Nick Dembski needs 37 yards receiving to reach 1,000 yards, and Brady Oliveira is over 1,000 yards rushing. No team in CFL history has had Canadians reach 1,000 yards rushing and receiving in the same season. And Nick Dembski could join Brady Oliveira in a, Brady Oliver in accomplishing that tonight if he gets 37 yards. And Mike O'Shea would say, we don't care who gets the yards. We just want to win the game. And it's true. You just want to win the game. But as fans, you know, we're interested in those kind of stats because they're really cool. Bob Irving joining us to discuss football. Always a Wait. pleasure. Oh, Lorenz got something more, for you. Sorry, more importantly, Bob, turkey or no turkey on the table this weekend? Oh, turkey. Yeah, it's got to be turkey. We got, I like uh, it. We, I see we, my wife, has a big one ready to cook up, and our family's <laughs> all coming over. It's got to be turkey. I can't wait for this game tonight. Do I sound like I'm excited about it? A little bit, Bob, just a little. <laughs> Nine o'clock, people. Don't get that wrong, like some others out there. Yeah, I'll be having a nap like you and Greg. I'll be having a nap <laughs> later today, and then I'll be ready to go. <laughs> Bob Irving, thank you very much, and happy Thanksgiving to you.